This episode is brought to you by The Gathering of the Sacred Star, which will be July 27th to the 30th, located in the hidden enchanted land of the Northeast Kingdom of Vermont, uh, which is a very magical place. Very magical. Um, So we're really psyched. Uh, We still have a spot left. We had one. Someone reserved it, and they had a family drama. It opened up. Now it booked. Uh, and then there's still that other one. So we, um, I don't know. I'm like, I really can't wait because I put together in a pretty different lineup and this is during the high holy days of magic, which is the time that you really can receive tremendous blessings. And it's a wonderful setup for like years ahead. So mm. of course we'll do a, a workshop, an online workshop for the high holy days, probably on 8-8 again. Okay, I'll put but, it on the calendar. <laughs> put it on the calendar. <laughs> but the retreat is where we meet in person and it's community. And I teach things that just cannot be taught online. I teach things that I teach, well, maybe we'll teach once mm. um, or once every several years, if that. So uh, there's some very rare meditations from the magical vault that I never discuss. They'll never get discussed on Patreon. I won't really discuss it here. Um, I'll get a hint in one is tuning into your true star guide. Uh, this is very cool. And um, even during the high holy days, it just, it's, it may be once every five, seven years will get taught. So wow. there's a lot of, a lot of cool stuff. Love it. So come out to Vermont, July 27th to the 30th. Link is in the show notes to sign up. Welcome to today's pod. That's the <laughs> that's devil's so tritone. I know. That's why it's, it's called nice. the devil's tritone. Yeah. That's um, my kind of jam. The devil's the devil's music. <laughs> the devil's music. Allegedly, the church back in the day, like in the 1500s, made it illegal. The to devil's play those. tritone? Yeah. Wow. But why am I talking about this? Why are you talking about this? Well, so today, as we're recording it, it happens to be the Capricorn full moon. Correct. Um, But I posted some really good content on Patreon that relates to this devil's tritone, which relates to this Capricorn um, full moon. And I just find this whole topic very interesting. And I'd also like to point out that a lot of when I use, say, it's a new moon, full moon, you know, I use a lot of the astrology as really just a, like an activation to go into deeper teachings about tarot, et cetera, et cetera, numerology, you know, gematria, et cetera. So um, what I'm also saying is this video past the new moon is really, really relevant. So right. I'm not doing like, um, you know, your daily news astrology, or I do that rarely. Because astrology is one thing, but then you throw it into mystical Kabbalah, which is where astrology comes from. Uh, ultimately, all of these systems really come from that. Um, and there's a lot of cool, uh, cool um, consciousness rabbit holes to go down. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know any astrologers or anyone talking about full moon and Capricorn and bringing up the devil's tritone. No, they're not. I'm the one. And then if we hear someone talking about it, are they coming? Are they? Is it because they're ripping you off? Probably. Well, they're they're watching. Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily ripping me off. I like when a lot of teachers actually tune into the work and then incorporate it. So what's going on here? So what inspired this and why I wanted to pot about it? I mean, I love music. I kind of wish I knew music theory more. But the devil's tritone is like an interval of of three. And so what we have during a Capricorn full moon, this means that the sun is in what sign? The sun is in the opposite sign, which is Cancer. Okay. (laughs) So So the moon, when the moon is full, it's always 180 degrees. So it's exactly opposite the sun. So you can sort of gauge that too. Actually, someone just texted me wondering what the moon was in. They see all these conflicting things online. And um, so the sun is in Cancer. And if you know a little basics in astrology, if you look at an astrology wheel, you'll see 180 degrees across is Capricorn. Mm-hmm. And then in when the sun is in Capricorn this winter, the full moon will be a full moon in Cancer. Right. Um, that's why it was interesting that we had two Aries new moons and the new moon is always in the same sign Mm -hmm. because the new moon started like, it was like zero degrees and the way it worked out mathematically, we had another new moon while the sun was still in Aries and that means the moon is in Aries. Right. So what we're playing around with here. Which was awesome for an Aries. (laughs) Is the, uh, um, yeah, that was actually really cool. Kind of for um, everybody, too, because I like those action-oriented. I like cardinal signs because you can start things. And you can never finish them. And you can never finish cardinal them. Cardinal signs are like, you know what? I'm going to get into flower pressing stationery. This is true. But I am working on something <laughs> right now. We, this was, how was that, four years ago? That was four years that was ago. Your COVID but hobby. now I got it for our child, our future child, our right. now so present we're child. Lugging it around. It's in the basement storage for a future day of isaiah flower pressing stationery correct it's gonna be amazing let's hope it's his thing well i just i wanted to say that i'm finishing a project right now and it's funny because i've noticed the most resistance i have is finishing well that's very uh symptomatic of cardinal signs energy Mm. um which you know it's okay um you know a cardinal sign are the signs that initiate they start a season so we are at the time of recording this. It is a you know uh, Capricorn is yeah. the cardinal sign of Earth. That's why I mentioned cardinal. Oh wow! I know. All right. You brushed <laughs> up on your astrology yeah. this week. Thank you. <laughs> um, so as you like, if you want to go deeper into astrology, start just look at the wheel and start seeing what's the dynamic between these signs. Mm. And on some level, you can almost attribute six energy fields because there's twelve signs. So. Capricorn and Cancer go hand in hand, and they're on some level opposite ends Mm -hmm. of a spectrum. Whereas Cancer, we're in Cancer season now. The sun is in Cancer. This is about home and family roots and uh, motherhood is the archetype. In mystical Kabbalah, magical astrology, fatherhood is actually the archetype, and Capricorn is the uh, maternal archetype. Mm -hmm. But I still go along with Cancer, mother-y. Well, I thought it was interesting. We had a full circle, full moon moment of Capricorn with um, 
with a family reunion. Yeah, that's great. But let's come back to that because okay. I need to come into why the <laughs> hell I'm talking about the devil's tritone. Okay, here. yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. I'm starting to overexplain it, and that's giving you a lot of room to to veer off. To overexplain your favorite with hobby, you. veering off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you like to mansplain. Um, so. Here's why I'm talking about the Devil's Tritone. And the Patreon content is really cool on this. Uh, some of it will overlap. I'm also saying that because you should hop on Patreon and go deeper. And the the, the zeitgeist astrology for the day, uh, it just goes a lot deeper. So by the time you're hearing this, it won't be a Capricorn moon, but we're still in this dynamic that is Cancer Capricorn. So in Mystical Kabbalah... Um, each tarot card, while tarot cards are attributed to signs and astrology or planets, elements, while the devil card is the card of Capricorn. Mm-hmm. The, I knew that. The chariot is the card of Cancer. Exactly. <laughs> so what we ha- and then there's Hebrew letters attributed to each major arcana, right? So I always go way deeper into this on Patreon and workshops and whatnot. I know the so letters. I oh what are, what are they? Ein mm-hmm. and Keth? Is that how you say it? Uh, yeah, Keth and mystical Kabbalah, the way it was taught to me, but a modern Hebrew speaker will be like, Chet. Um, and then they'll have a hummus. <laughs> and that's, that's, I know Hebrew. You just do that. <laughs> just clear your throat a lot. Um, any, there are a number of Hebrew speakers that uh, listen to this, but they have a sense of humor. So the, these two letters are attributed. So astrologically... In these dynamics, like a full moon, you start to think, oh, okay, we have Ein, the letter Ein, which means an I. And if you look at the devil card, there's a big I. Mm-hmm. But the way it was taught to me is that is an I that only sees like material phenomenon. Mm. So it's super 3D. Right. Whereas the th- it's in the third eye of this goat. So the the third eye is really meant to see into other dimensions, have visions and you know, it's very psychic and very abstract and definitely transcends the limitations of, you know, worldly, earthly phenomenon. But in the um, some of the systems in the system that I utilize and was taught, you can attribute musical notes to all of these letters. So now we're talking about musical notes that relate to astrology. The musical note for cancer, sounding cancer, is a D sharp. Mm. The musical note for Ein or Capricorn or the devil card um, is the note A. And so that those notes, that is an interval known as the devil's tritone, A, B, C, D, it's an interval of like three notes, I guess. Okay. Uh, D sharp. Uh, our f- good friend Libby is the one who turned me on to that. Because remember I did a workshop years ago and there was an eclipse. There was like a cancer sun eclipse. Okay. I remember you talking about the devil's tritone. I just don't remember in what context. It was for that workshop. But I thought I'd bring it up again because you have to... Like, it's interesting to me because this is also like the parenting dynamic, right? If you take the archetype, cancer is mother, Mm -hmm. nurturing, sweet, loving, emotionally reassuring, and and getting, you know, lessons of being emotionally uh, self-reliant. Hey, I feel good about myself. I'm ready to kind of meander into Leo greatness Mm. or perceived greatness, Right. Let's we'll just, get into Leo's later. It's the sign that perceives greatness. 
Um, but uh, unlike the greatness of, say, Scorpio. <laughs> just saying. Um, but so we have this like dynamic of parenting Capricorn, if you take it as this archetype of, say, father. But Capricorn energy is more rigid and strict. And Cancer is just more like, hey, it's okay. I love you no matter what. So it's interesting that the musical notes that make that together create this devil's tritone which we opened up with wait i want to play it again yeah so that's a a drone and now d sharp oh they were both playing so this is an a but it doesn't sound like oh yeah like yeah it's like a heavy metal song something eerie some nick cavey whatever but that's the tension of parenting <laughs> in a weird way if you think about that. Or childhood. Yeah. yeah. Right? You're born, if you think about it, you're born, you know, we can be like, oh, well, I'm born in the sign of Aquarius and this and that. But if you just take the philosophical notion of having, we have parents, that's that dynamic. All summer in Cancer season and then Capricorn season, we're dealing with the devil's dry tongue. Well, and it's interesting when you say like, that's, that's the tension of childhood, because I also feel like as a child, you're, you're given like that, that structure, um, and the foundation and, and hopefully the emotional security, um, and reliance upon your parents. But then you're also, you're, there's that tension comes when you're like, but I, I'm independent now. I can do this on my own. Well, yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. I feel like there's so many directions and angles to look into that. Um, I, you know, that tension too, though, there's so many like heavy metal songs and, you know, like master. It's like rebellion, the sound of rebellion in a way. But I feel like what it is, is a tension that, um, begs for, a resolution, mm. right? So it's also happens to be music I really often enjoy, right? Yeah. So it's like moody and dark or like heavy. And but like if there's a wolf metal. involved, then you're... forget it. There's a wolf singer who looks like um, a vampire. A vampire. <laughs> he, um, Gina's Nick Cave obsession. He does seem like a very nice guy. Well, PJ Harvey also kind of looks like a wolf vampire too. She's a howler. She's a howler. She's a wolf girl. A wolf yeah. cat. I love her. Um, <laughs> but the, so this tension, though, I, I like got went down um, looking into you know famous songs that are famous for the devil's tritone, and I I feel like this. So you know the girl from Impanima. No. Um, it's. Uh, I don't want to play it and get sued. Maybe we can cut that in. It is an old track. But listen to these. I love these words. Um, so this is the song is about a guy on the beach. I guess it's in Brazil. And he sees this beautiful, uh, it's tall. Uh, she looks, str- uh, let's see, let's see. Um, oh, but I watch her so sadly. How can I tell her I love her? Yes, I would give my heart gladly. But each day as she walks to the sea, she looks straight ahead, not at me. Um, Tall and tan and young and lovely, the girl from Impanima goes walking. And when she passes, I smile, but she doesn't see. She doesn't see. No, she just doesn't. 
which is totally the eye and the eye of the devil card, right? Right. Or she's like seen in multi-dimensional realities. But it got me thinking that this, from the point of view of the person in the song, he sees this beautiful woman. He just, it's unattainable, right? And that to me really ties into this notion of the devil card as the oppressor, Mm. right? Like she's out of your league. Right. But really the deeper teachings of the devil and the Capricorn, like the devil card are, how are you using this in, uh, like, um, you know, being imprisoned, if you will, as a springboard. So where you're sort of oppressing yourself, you're meant to like leap and take big leaps. So he is using this devil's tritone because that song is just famous to use that, that style. Um, and, you know, he needs to push out of that tension. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of tension. It's like, woe is me. That's probably my beautiful soulmate. But the guy doesn't have the courage to, like, say hello. Right. He just watches and hoping he'll be noticed just with this smile, right? So he's not applying himself. <laughs> and I think that the deeper lesson of a Capricorn energy is to go, like, it. The, I guess what I'm saying is the devil card is about demonizing your own success or potential, and the possibility, right? You're just only what's logical, right? Like we're back on the East Coast. People want to know your resume. Right. Uh, okay, these are the standard rules of operation. These are the societal norms and how it should be. But this guy, this girl is way out of his league. And he should break free. So I feel like there are lessons that say there's some tension because you need to snap out of it and you need to leap and you need to go for something that seems out of your league. Well, and going back to the devil card, he needs some big dick energy. He's got no big dick energy, for <laughs> sure. Um, well, I mean, the There's Cap- a phallic symbol Capricorn, on the devil card. Yeah, it's because it's the Capricorn is the, the like um, ultimate powerful force of creation manifested in the earthly realm. Right. This is why Capricorn energy is an energy of success. But people don't want that. People don't want success. And all of a sudden, they're liberated. They're free to succeed as they will. They're free to, like, ask the girl out. And no, well, like, nothing. Because she's not interested. In this song, she's not interested in a pretty boy with a smile. Right. She probably wants a man who's like, I'm going to, like, let's go accomplish things. What's our destiny? Yeah. You're my destiny. But she's like, I'm going to the beach. Well, but also bringing in, going into the cancer card and back to Kath, which means fence, she's sort of created this barrier around her where she's like untouchable. That's a great point. So that the cancer card, the chariot, the Hebrew letter is the symbol of a fence. Yeah. And that's like, if you think about the crab, right? Everyone says, oh, cancer, you got to get out of your shell. You got to get out of your shell. Right. I do think it's really odd. I don't look at a crab and think, oh, mommy. Right. Like, I feel nurtured and cared. and Which makes like, me feel better when I feel rigid. <laughs> here, it's just a rigid old crab. Crabbity old rigid lady. Crabbity old. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, she probably does have a guard. So this will never work out. Like, he's going to, like, he's thinking about probably the rest of his life about the girl I saw on the beach. But let's, like, how many times do you think there's an opportunity that you had that you're sitting in bed thinking about, if I should have just done that. Yeah. I should have just gone for it. 
right? So the devil card, Capricornian energy is telling you, go for it, right? So ask, like, go for something out of your league. Try it. That's your homework. If you're listening to this podcast, no matter how big or so or how small, but where are you, like keeping yourself oppressed in this devil's tritone with this tension and you're not resolving it. You got to break free of that fence. It's interesting that cancer is a symbol of a way of a fence and an eye, but the devil is like your own oppression. Right. Well, I was, my, my friend has this beautiful newsletter that comes out every full moon. And I thought, and the theme this month was all about, um, failure and embracing failure. And one of the things that led her to write a Substack was she had submitted her writing to so many different publications and got rejected so many times. And what she realized was her ego wanted the prestige and the status of being published by those publications where she was like, you know, at the end of the day, I just love writing and I want to put myself out there. So she created her own, she published her own writing. Um, And I thought that was really totally aligned with the full moon in Capricorn and Capricornian energy of like that desire for status and prestige and it all being rooted in ego. And by the way, on a side note, the Substack's called seven senses by Kensho studio. It's really good. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a, I think those are great points. Um, yeah. I mean, that's like the other side, whereas, Whereas Capricorn's like, hell yeah, go for it, right? We will succeed. There is no option, other yeah. option. Um, but that there is like too much, it's like blind ambition or the attachment to status. It's a, it's a high, it's a very exalted energy. So that's why in typical astrology, it's considered where you have status, right? And it rules the tenth house, and it's right at the zenith of your chart and your midhaven. I'll look up there, and usually if I see a lot of activity, those are usually people that have some prominence in their position of of a job. Well, you have a lot of 10th house, and it's (laughs) Capricorn, and your Saturn's there, which sort of is world leader. It's big producer energy, Gina. Right. So Well, I produce big Remington Donovan. (laughs) Big big deal. Big deal (laughs) Donovan. (laughs) Big dick deal. Um, see, I, I need to, I probably talk about this a lot because I need to apply that work ethic that is, so Capricorn is ruled by Saturn. I need to do that more. I rely heavily on the inspiration of Mars. And my Kabam. wife. <laughs> well, you're the Saturn. You put the kibosh. You're just, let's eliminate. No, I, I embrace. Let's turn it. And, um, it's good for me, except it, if it's like 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> I rely on Jupiter a lot. Yes. I have strong Jupiter energy. And Jupiter, it's just like I set my intentions and things start rolling and working out. Yep. And You do one meditation and, you know, things are flowing. Money's yeah, coming Yeah, well, in. I don't want to say this in a way that's bragging. I'm saying this becomes a, a deficit because I, on some level, feel lazy. And Jupiter can be lazy. Like, hey, it's working out. Um, even though I do the work, I would just like to apply even more consistency in right. showing up and taking those lessons of, uh, the devil's tritone. Um, but wait, you said something. Oh yeah. Back to that Substack though. That's cool that this person recognized their ego drive for and blind ambition for like the managerial check mark. Mm-hmm. Right. People have been duped. Millennials have really been duped lately because they're taking jobs because they want title manager. Right. I'm like, you're 40. 
I'm like, yeah. how much more resume building? You've been just going through just school. You're like, well, go. I got to do extracurricular activities. So it looks good on my resume. I can get into a good college. And then, like, at some point, what, you're going to die. And then, like, what's your gravestone going to say? Like, you know, where, like, where's my promotion or something? Right. Yeah. Well, it also goes back to even people that ha- they're fancied by an, a concept of a thing. Like, I want to be on TV. Oh, for sure. And you've sure. mentioned this before. And it's like, yeah, but you have no desire for the craft. Well, that's Leo. That's yeah. Leo energy. <laughs> yeah, where people just want, like, I want to be in a movie. <laughs> or I notice it being in, in the field now, being in publishing is like so many do lust after just they want an agent then it's like oh my god i got an agent and then they just want to get published Mm -hmm. i'm telling you no fucking golden red sea parts in my experience i mean having books published is a huge blessing i'm super grateful but see i relied on jupiter energy because i was i shared this story before But, I mean, I did write the book. Like, I wrote the first draft. I wrote numerology because I could feel the universe is holding this space. And it put everything on pause. And not in a self-centered way. I just knew that the universe wanted another book on numerology. It was my job. I knew I had to do it. And that's why I wrote it. And then that morning, I got out of bed thinking, you know, it's time to really... um, put my sights on getting this published. And if I can't get it published, I need to self-publish it because this book has to get out to the world. I knew that because I could just sense the universe is like, okay, we're pausing this for you. And if I didn't do it, and they they gave me probably more time than maybe it should have, someone, there just would have been another one. And it would have been someone half-assed, but they were not half-assed in their like ability to just, show up and write it right so there's a lot more to be said about just getting the work done well and i want to also say that the um the story behind the the editor reaching out to you was on instagram in your dms and it's an interesting world that we live in and just going back to like you know are having already written the first draft but also showing up every day and doing what like Showing up every day and doing what you love to do and sharing the teachings with the platform that you've built, even on Instagram, having a card of the day. Like, I feel like that it already like in, in this world, you can be, um, you can create status within your own realm of like by, by working and being more consistent with what you're trying to do. And you weren't trying to do anything. You were just being yourself. And I think that that's attractive and it's, and it's easier to reach people where maybe the channels were closed at one point in time, like the 1950s or something what, no, or it's 1998. Now. Getting published, you can self-publish, but getting a publishing deal, it's not, it's like trying to um, get an acting part in Hollywood, but then you have to be in the guild, but you can't be in the guild until you have a part, but you can't get a part until you're in the guild. And writing's like you need an agent, but you can't get an agent until you write something. And all of this, I just put my, a lot of stuff comes down to put your projection and your focus and set these big intentions while doing the work. Right. I did the work. I wrote the book, right? I wrote the first draft and that set, that put the universe to me and put it on notice. Hey, 
all right, this is uh, starting to gain momentum. But the second I was like, I got to take it to the next level now. It has to be published. How do I navigate that? I literally am thinking that as I'm getting out of the bed. And I, that's when I used to check my phone right away. And I'm like, you know, in the bathroom. And there's a DM <laughs> from my editor, mm-hmm. my now editor. Right. Saying, hey, I'd love to meet with you about a numerology book. So I'm just saying this because I encounter people all the time that necessar- haven't even necessarily really written anything. Some people even have agents. You know, I don't know. I don't, like, I had something to say that was, people felt was worth publishing. And I'm just sharing the niche thing that I'm into. Right. You know, I mean, you know, is numerology going to be on the shelf next to John Grisham? Uh, yes. Maybe. <laughs> we're, we're in different sections, but you get the point. Uh, well, you that book does, pop, it keeps popping up everywhere, though. Like a lot of bookstores, because every bookstore, for the most part, has a little like wellness, new agey. Well, it never goes out of date. Section. It will never go out of date. Although maybe in your third printing of it they would remove Meghan Markle from the list of celebrities because her approval rating is terribly low I don't think she's in it <laughs> she is wait what number she's was under that? four Meghan Markle is yeah oh god <laughs> yeah I gotta update every here's the thing like everyone either gets hated or me too <laughs> yeah exactly so everybody now all this like Einstein is in there as a five he's probably gonna get me too'd probably uh, Tony or Hawk people are just going to assume. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's like in the prosperity practices. I had written one of the practices is a media cleanse. Yes. Just no media. Don't consume. No social media. No news. That's the big one. No news. And I said, really, at the end of the day, it, none of it actually has any bearing on your life. And if something was really important that like happened, like your city blew up, you'd either see it or you'd find out about it if right. you really needed to know. So if you're listening, I dare you to go one, I dare you to go 40 days without news. I dare you to go 40 days without news. Well, it's my job commenting (laughs) on the ways of the world. But I don't watch, I don't click on official news. No, no. To be honest. So that actually wouldn't, I really, you've been way off the news. But don't use my prosperity book against me. Like I have other practices. And that's why this prosperity book, you could change them up. Well, you could be like, I dare you not to complain for 40 days. You could say that to me, this and book, I'd be like, don't use your book the, against me. I don't, though. I know you don't. Um, but what you were saying about that media cleanse. What I was saying is that I had written, who really cares what's happening with, like, Kanye West? Yeah. And somebody else, I think, in the first draft, or the main Probably Donald Trump and Kanye West. <laughs> and uh, oh, I didn't want to talk political figures. Oh, yeah, we, yeah. You mentioned Donald Trump, people get so triggered, and then you mentioned Then Obama, they black people, out, yeah, and then people are having, like, <sighs> epilepsy. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, and then they die of Trump derangement syndrome. Um, but I was like, ah, who really does care about Kanye West, right? He's always... And then that was right before he went on his apparent Nazi um, spiral. Oh, my God. So they actually edited. It was like one of the few <laughs> things they completely removed Kanye West. Yeah. And they put in Harry Styles. They had to. And I was like, I get it. I get it, too. Because every like right after I sent in the manuscript, all people cared about and they were imploding about Kanye West. And I just casually wrote it in the book before all of that happened. I thought that was just a funny behind the scenes edit of course and 
also it was triggering for me because I actually knew I was following the drama of Harry Styles, Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis. So I was thinking, oh, this is like some stupid, meaningless media that I've been following <laughs> like late at night because I want to know about Olivia Wilde's salad dressing that she made for Harry Styles that then seduced him. Uh, and that's why she left her husband. Salad dressing. <laughs> Go down the Did rabbit they, hole uh, of the sal- a salad dressing. You can take that dressing and that vinegar and clean your uh, house with it, too. <laughs> well, maybe. Maybe she's good at cleaning house. What's in this dressing? Well, that was the whole thing. Twitter was like a storm because they, they needed to know what was in this special salad dressing that seduced Harry Styles. Now I want to know, and I'm probably going to be looking this up. <laughs> I'll, I'll send it to you. She, she seems like she actually posted such the an salad dressing, annoying, though. annoying, like, uh, woke moron an annoying feminist <laughs> she's not a feminist she um, wears shirts that say feminist on oh it. well that makes you a feminist pay attention remington uh she was hilarious though in that movie she was, uh, what was I know that so this is how it people. ends i know we referenced that a couple times i think it's this called how it ends how, this is like the, our last opportunity we actually watched a movie <laughs> yeah. um like months ago but um her character was spot on for spot just like on. la reading your vibe like i was like wow like, this... i'm really psychic now so it it was she nailed it like yeah. she totally that character is an archetype of los angeles she's and a good Airline. actress she has her moments i'm not knocking her she's attractive and she's talented um I, but um, and also if anyone she makes the oc she was dressings. she was like the first lesbian on television She's a lesbian. After now? Ellen Generous. No, no, no. In the in the OC early two thousands, there was a uh, Misha Barton had a the character had uh, her lesbian love interest was Olivia Wilde. It was a big deal. Oh yeah, I never watched that. Was like a fictional show to appear like a reality show. Is that what that show was? I don't know. It was all around the same time as reality TV on Laguna Beach. So. Like the hills and you were like <laughs> the hills child, have eyes. Probably yeah, looking up I to was this. like, I'm gonna move yeah. to California. I like, I want an eating disorder, and I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna go to Laguna Beach. And... Uh, I could go for one too. Let's <laughs> shed a few pounds here. Although that I can't would, um... wait. Really? For my eating disorder. My... Oh, okay. Sorry, bad timing. Um. So, Devil's Tritone. Devil's Tritone. Go out of your league. You know, the most famous Devil's Tritone song is Maria from West Side Story. Oh. I could probably play it. You could play it because technically you own just a fraction of West Side Story through your DNA. Right. Um, (laughs) I've mentioned it before. So that'll be our argument. um, Oh, man. There's so many. Jesus Christ. How many tabs do you have open over there? Like seven. <laughs> um, but uh, so, but the, if you think about it, this poor kid, Tony, he meets like. Tony. He meets the girl. He meets the love. Maria. He meets Maria. It's the yeah. sweetest sound ever said. Yeah. And um, how does it go? It's like uh, the most beautiful sound I ever heard. Maria, Maria, all the beautiful sounds of the world in a single word. Mm. Um this poor kid, he's like so in love. Talk about that tension of the devil's tritone, which was brilliant, and it's a brilliant uh, work. And it was so intentionally the devil's tritone because not only, but it's like at the that moment that character's just in love, but everything else and society, right? Capricorn is like 
oppressive rules of society. Right. Right. That like, keeps you, have, you from trying. Keeps, like, well, he tried and died. Wow. Uh, I mean, we maybe ruined some plot, but by now, if you haven't seen West Side Story, I don't know what you're doing with your life. So <laughs> we'll ruin all the plot. Um, there's two films. Go see the goddamn play at some point. Um, I mean, high school kids are singing it. But, um, I mean, he. I, I think that's so devil's try. That's the devil. It's like the uh, society's rules. Capricorn is like the rules. The rules are the rules. And you can't date outside of your race. And especially like a Puerto Rican girl. Now you're in rival gangs. So it's like so brilliant. And that was like that. I think that was in that that zeitgeist then of New York City. You know, that right. was like the actual melting pot where now different cultures and races started to mix and started to marry more. Well, and I think your mom said that because she lived in a, a very Italian neighborhood that the Italians kept out other races. That's the other thing where you start to own the built in New York City, which I think was probably a reflection of other little boroughs. Well, just for throughout. the record. My family, my side <laughs> of the family, there's no Italian, so they weren't keeping anybody Well, they out. were only like the... <laughs> but my Irish grandfather was disowned by his family from marrying a Jewish woman. There you go. So so West Side Story, in the time it came out, and the first Broadway productions, I think was 58, um, that really said a lot, and it was. I mean, it's really an anti-racism. Like, what the hell are we doing, guys? Are we this stupid? You can't yeah. just go for the person you love. Right. Right? I mean, the laws were passed, but society still didn't accept it. So we, the law might be there, but society doesn't accept it. It's like woke culture is the devil, mm. right? Because here's the rules I'm implementing. You have to think the way I think. Right. And West West Side Story. But that Maria song is just a – listen to it after this. It's a famous um, – let's see. Is it coming through? Yeah. Oh, the drones are going too. I was like, man, this is man, this is the remake. Ooh, you gotta get your brother on it. Um, that's also an ode to my cousin, who actually listens. Um, whose name is Maria, and it was our uncle who was in the first production of West Side Story. He played, he played a jet. A jet. But he didn't get any girls in the play. Okay. He had a smaller role. But it was his first like breakthrough. He was That's huge. So he's probably something. met Leonard Bernstein. I would imagine, yeah. And Leonard Bernstein was born in Lawrence, which is another connection we have between a, me a and Bernstein, you. Yeah, West Side Story connection. And then we went to that weird cafe. Where the hell was that? In New York State, driving to New York City. Oh, oh, like it's called uh, Beanie, the... Genie's Beanies or Beanie Genie. And there was a guy who was in the movie. I think yeah. he played Tony or something. Not Tony. Uh, anyhow, it was a guy from he the movie. He played a jet. He was one of the jets. And now he owns a weird British, <laughs> like an Anglophile cafe that yeah. sells British <laughs> paraphernalia, like little cups. Yeah. With like the uh, Union Jack and tea. Yeah. And sandwiches. Yeah. It's and great. It's in like, and his book that he wrote called When You're a Jet. Yeah. And his book about West Side his Story. His last name's Bean. If you are David around uh, upstate ish New York, um, check this place out. But what the hell is the name of it? We should probably. It's called like Genie Beanies because it's. Well, 
Because it was like my name. Her name's Jeannie, and people used to call me Jean Bean. And then I was like, oh, it's like my little shop. Um, so anyhow, if you need some British goods, <laughs> they had like British candy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it was like so. It was like so often weird and cool. Yeah. You know, and then you could buy us book. Yeah. About I think it's a self-published book, hardcover of being in West Side Story. I mean, it's great. And then he was he also had a cameo in the Spielberg remake, which we did which is watch. exciting. You got uh, well, to meet Steven Spielberg. I have issues with that movie. It's also good, but it's such a it's such a like story that holds true forever. I thought it was good. I I enjoyed that movie. I enjoyed it too. Yeah. And then I always think of Officer Crumkey. I then just think of the Larry David episode, which is a classic. I think it's from like the 10th season. Remember he meets an Officer Crumkey? Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's probably like one of his best seasons. But Um, Well, West Side Story is just part of it's ingrained because the Romeo and Juliet story is ingrained. But it's like talk about Devil's Trident. Like you can't have like cancer is just coming home. Right. Like. Ultimately, that's a boy. Maria's that, home. That Maria's still some level of mommy. Yeah. You know, say what you want, but like that, like, oh, I'm going to feel nurtured and love and I can surrender and I can take, make my heart that vulnerable. Yeah. And, uh, but I have to die for it. Oh. Because the rules of society are like, you can't, you can't go out with a Puerto Rican girl. Right. Or she can't, you know, date a white guy. But wasn't that sacrifice something that then, like, it softened the community and softened society? I'm not saying that people have to die to make... I don't to think make it ended. These... They all came together. Like I, I remember it was Maria's, they... like, mom or aunt or something was like... And maybe this was in the remake because <laughs> that was the one we most recently saw. They got into this argument and, like, everyone kind of just, like everyone got really quiet and I felt that there was a reflective moment of like, what are we doing? Why are we killing each other? Oh, I didn't go that deep, but you're probably right. right. Yeah. I don't like, but anyhow, Devil's <laughs> there's a lot of other songs, a lot of like Marilyn Manson, some Judas Priest songs, Metall- enter the Sandman. That's like a famous song. Yeah. Um, so I think all of that, it's really just a longing for mommy or daddy yeah unresolved tension and trauma from childhood which is a great time it's a great time to clear it summer feels very healing in that way where yeah where are you letting this stuff you probably like get in the way right and where can you forgive well cancer i think this should be is very forgiving yeah yeah you know i think you got to forgive yourself yeah um so what else? What were other notes that we're going to talk? Oh, that got me down another rabbit hole, which isn't really the devil's tritone, but I was thinking devils and Capricorn and the song Sympathy for the Devil. Okay. The Rolling Stones. Yeah, classic. Honestly, for major big bands, I might have to say the Rolling Stones. I don't have like a favorite band. There are bands that have, or singers that certainly are sort of soundtracks of my life, but... um. I really do like the Rolling Stones, and I didn't get into the Stones until I was, like, in my 30s. Like, I knew a lot of their music and whatnot. They've been around. They're huge. Um, All the bands of that era, which my theory is a lot of those people had Pluto and Leo. Mm -hmm. I think born in, like, the 40s and whatnot. Um, And Pluto and Leo is going to be, like, 
big fame, like everlasting fame. So like the Beatles, um, you know, the Rolling Stones, Bob Dylan, even they, um, we still talk about like the who all that generation. I think they reached a level of fame that, um, cause like Elvis had Pluto and cancer. Interesting. If I believe, I could be wrong. And he had, basically his he narrative. He loved mommy, his mom. His, he had mommy <laughs> issues. Yeah. He just wanted family. And then he died. The sad, it's a really sad story. And you listen well, to and Elvis. Well, he was a twin. And the twin didn't make it in childbirth. Right. Um, so a lot of emotional hardship there. But these Pluto, uh, Leo people, I mean... Say what you want, but like even some of the biggest stars, right? We think, oh my God, Lady Gaga, she had her moment. But I don't think we're going to talk about her in 10 years from now that much. No, Nobody's I'm talking about Christina. About <laughs> but uh, this the Rolling Stones, they hit a level of sound current. The Beatles, those, those people, uh, Elton, uh, I don't know Elton John sign, but he's huge too. But, um, I just think there it's somehow it hits the consciousness and it's almost forever and it's just big fame. Yeah. Like we're not gonna care about Billie Eilish in a few years from now. Even Taylor Swift is the hottest thing on planet Earth, and it's soon just gonna be like, oh, there'll be a genre, a whole group of people that like grew up listening to Taylor Swift and it's nostalgic. <laughs> She'll be richer than any of these people, but I don't think her music will ever be as relevant. And no. um, the Rolling Stones, I, I just, I love the Stones and they always get pitted against the Beatles. Probably if I were like a lot older too and grew up when they were coming of age. But like the Rolling Stones to me have this like frustrated sense of longing. Mm. And there is always like a tension where you like you want something you know it's like that song can't you hear me knocking i'm no stranger and it's like you're just like clawing at this door you're knocking on this door like let me in let me in don't you know like and that's like the stones like i love that tension i love their riffs um and they were deep and they were prophetic. And then I was also taught they pretty much more or less sold their souls to like a satanic priestess <laughs> uh, so they could be like the biggest band. I still think it's Pluto and Leo. Maybe it's the devil. Right. Either way, maybe you sold your devil. soul and yeah, and to be like the biggest band ever. But maybe why is Beatles it that the devil it. provides that? Like, you sell your soul to the devil. Like, why isn't it like, oh, you sold your soul to divinity, and now you're just, like, the biggest thing ever because you are so divine and incredible and everybody loves you? Uh, that's a great question. I don't know. That's the mythology because it's, it's like, such an ego drive, mm. right? Um, there is a teaching I heard that a lot of um, really famous people – their sort of next level up is actually to be a, a very high teacher. So you see it like, how are they going to handle that? Will they? Right. Or that's like the, that's where in the magical tradition, the notion of becoming a black magician or, or going dark, joining the left hand path, becoming the Darth Vader is generally speaking is when you get really good at the magic and you're teaching people to be really good. And the magic ultimately is living your highest soul's purpose, mm-hmm. right? 
um, and a union with the cosmos and God and all of this. People go dark. Teachers go dark. And at least through the perspective lens of magic, by then starting to think, they still didn't work out. There's a little ego coming up and like, well, it's not the teachings. It's me. Mm. Right? I'm not. If you look at the Hierophant card, the spiritual teacher in the tarot, that he's just a conduit of these higher teachings. And so all of a sudden it's about me and my drive and my ego and what I want. So um, I feel like being a mega rock star has got to have a, a lot of ego drive. Yeah. And then you're, you're almost like that's where you, in other cases, you hear about these tragic things that happen. Like you're reading that um, – the, the philosophy of modern song by Bob Dylan. Yeah. And you're telling me about these songs I didn't know. Well, I do know, but I didn't know the name of the singer. And then you're telling me about like some tragedy that was affiliated with the, with the singer. And it just kind of blows your mind. Um, Bobby Darren. Yeah. Which he I've was known the one his story. Mom. You should watch videos of Bobby Darren though. He is such a great performer. Yeah. And Bob Dylan really wrote about him well as like he could perform anything, any type of music, any genre. But yeah, that's the interesting story about him. But you wonder if those moments of tragedy are what kind of put that ego in check, where it could have been. I don't think he sold his soul. No, he didn't sell his soul, but I'm just saying where maybe like he didn't have, like it it humbles an artist. Well, not saying that you have to have something tragic happen to you to humble you, but. Tragedies are also considered like, satanic sacrifices oh god you can go down a big rabbit hole of <laughs> stresses uh, me out major stars and something bad happens yeah it's like an offering but as as our pod gets not circulated and edited and censored um <laughs> by the dark force by me <laughs> no i'm just kidding the but bobby darren on total side note yeah he was diagnosed he had an illness uh, I guess he knew he was probably supposed to die really young. He lived longer than thought, than they thought. But then it was he grew up, and he eventually found out that his mother, that he thought was his mother, was actually his grandmother, mm. and his sister, the person that grew up as his older sister, was actually his mother. Which I'm like, how how could she imagine play if Anna was sister? Your Be- <laughs> That's impossible. Well, she's young. But I'm just saying. Yeah. No, it's crazy. Know. Um, I don't know. It's a different time. I mean, a woman having out of wedlock. Why? Because Very the young. devil's tritone. Because the societal rules. You can't do that. Wow. The rules. The rules of society. Yeah. Right. And then now, you find out that uh, twenty three and me. You could just find all these these cousins, distant cousins that were born out of wedlock that you never heard about. Exactly. Which happened to my mom. So there you go. Um, so the devil's dry toe. I think the, yeah, this is like this woke of these, these perceived rules, like mm-hmm. whether you're throwing your religious values on somebody or your philosophical values, but like, oh, I have the right way and you have to follow my rules. That's like this, but the, so the story goes, that was, um, Mick Jagger's first wife, Bianca Jagger. Um, and so the folklore around it is that she was like a high satanic priestess. Mm. So, and then she married him and then like, they're the biggest band. I don't know if they write fucking good music. So maybe the devil made him do it. Yeah. But, but I, it's fucking good. And I like the stones and some of their songs. She are, was pretty hot too. 
Well, did I ever pot about how I met her? I don't know. Um, she went, like, back in the day when I worked at this ultra-fancy exclusive hotel, um, she came... And she was with a group of like hardcore conservatives, the National Review. Uh, they had hosted like Margaret Thatcher. That's how I met her. I met the this professor who was attacked by the Unabomber and his hand was missing. Jesus. He's a Yale professor. Oh. Um, and I think I swear I shared this on the pod because I was like, oh my God. And then I heard him speak and I was like, well, fucking asshole. He literally opened up a speech saying the problem with America are Buddhist lesbians. What? Yeah, Buddhist lesbians. First of all, <laughs> Buddhist lesbians are hardcore capitalists. <laughs> all right, Buddhist my ass. All right, they want success and money. Um, but anyhow, Bianca Jagger was there at this event. And I, um, one morning, like a lot of times you just sort of rotate and I got stuck doing room service trays mm -hmm. in the morning. So uh, you'd get these pre-orders on a little card, like coffee and whatever, muffin morning thing. And I'd, I'd like at eight o'clock in the room. And so she had ordered like a pot of coffee and I was running room service and I just dropped the coffee off at the time. But she had called down. I, well, I got called into the office. They're like, did you go into Bianca Jagger's room like early or something? And did you, it said just to drop it off at the door. I was like, yeah, I dropped it off in the door at like this specific time. Like, cause I'm a time Nazi. Yeah. And um, she was complaining that somebody was in her room. But I was like, there's some entity Huh. Like she's, and then it's weird that like I'm the person there. I'm like totally my secret life is hermetic magic, and then I'm there, and she thinks this like entity or something's in the room, like Whoa. watching over her. Yeah, because you know it really went down. So um, that was like kind of weird and crazy. So I've like met her. I've like shook her hand. So I have another perspective on this because, like you said, Bianca Jagger marries Mick Jagger, and then Rolling Stones are like the biggest thing. I think, because I've heard a couple stories lately, I think the woman and the wife held the space for Mick Jagger and his band to be huge. I'm telling you this because I was reading about Leo Tolstoy and his wife. He married a woman and I love like the day before they got married, he gave her a journal of all these like horrible sexual acts that he had done. <laughs> I mean, this is the guy who wrote War and Peace. He wrote, yeah, wrote War and Peace and Anna Karenina. And Which is uh, Isaiah's bedtime story. It's now. his bedtime story at this, at this moment. Um, but she became his like financial advisor. She edited his books. She held the space. So she space. was skimming money. She was skimming money off the top. <laughs> she raises 11 children and she gave, she provided him with the, the foundation and the emotional security he needed to succeed in his life. And I also read in my friend Substack, Seven Senses, that um, Stephen King, his first book, Carrie, uh, had been rejected by like 30 publications. And his wife was like, she basically like pulled it out of the shelf, dusted it off and was like, you, you just, you need to, this, this is it. Like you need to try other publications. Like she really believed in the story and that's what really launched his career. And so I'm thinking, what if it's this, like the, the marriage that's that, 
alchemy that breeds this success and the foundation. Like the woman creates this, like she fences everything in and creates the container for the dynamic to be successful. And it's not like the woman, because now she's like, oh, the man can be super successful. Like, I think we can take what I'm saying and apply it to modern relationships, modern marriage, and the alchemy within that container. Well, I a billion percent agree with that and that power of a woman. Yes. Now imagine if you were a high-level satanic him. priestess in cahoots with the devil. <laughs> you can turn your husband into the biggest band in the universe. Right. That is still relevant. Yeah. Um, but I think the yoga of it, the divinity, to sell your soul to divinity, which is free, you have to probably pay. That's the difference. You have to pay somehow in the labor and the work and the effort. But... Um, women absolutely hold that space. I mean, even like I was just, you know, I was like selling readings, peddling, I'm hustling readings, trying to build things up. And then I kept getting busier. And you saw me like texting people, trying to schedule, put it in a book. And I had no set schedule. Cause I, at that point I wasn't known enough. So whenever people were available, I said, yeah, I'll do it then. Um, and you took over sort of as my was sort of pretending to be my assistant, which immediately turned into shit. I really needed an assistant, right? But your energy field did blow it, help blow everything up. Well, I had to take over because I was too, I was too so are you irritated in cahoots by with the devil. Is no, that what you're I'm, I'm in cahoots with divinity. Okay, over here. <laughs> divine cahoots. I love that word, really. Cahoots. Yeah. Um. Well, look, I I agree with you, and I think that's the high road. Um, women have a power. There's there's a dynamic like that, but I'm just sharing the folklore around the Rolling Stones. It's it's a great story. And the song "Sympathy for the Devil." There's so many hidden teachings, like magical teachings, in that song. And I wanted to like break some of these down. Okay. Uh, it's a really tragic song. It's like so good. And then you're like, wow, you're hearing about the czar and Anastasia screamed in pain. Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and taste. Like that's the third eye, only looking for physical phenomenon, right? So that's like, if you take the dark Saturn, a binah on the tree of life, the vice is avarice. Mm. Avarice is, I can't, there's not enough. I can't, you know what I mean? So it's essentially greed. So of course you're going to be a man of wealth and taste. I also feel like this is the old school devil that was like, he's more seductive by being like a sophisticate. Now just everything's like raunchy and demonic. I know. You know, like ever like Takashi 69, like what a weird, like, oh, I forgot about they're, that they're guy. like demonic. This at least yeah. is like, you know, has a has a sophistication, but um, I've been around for a long, long years. Stole million man's soul and faith. Like that's the thing. I think that faith, that that energy comes in. It's like the guy that wanted the girl on the beach, the girl from Impanima. He had no faith even in his ability to be like, let me at least ask her out. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Right. Right, so you're keeping yourself down, and that's that sort of mythology. Like the devil is going to take you away from your faith, not just like oh, I believe in Jesus, mm -hmm. but like <laughs> your faith, your ability, right, or Buddha, 
Um, Buddhist lesbians. <laughs> Stay clear of all Buddhist lesbians. Probably is the problem with society, actually, <laughs> if you really think about it. I was around when Jesus Christ had his moment of doubt and pain, right? So this is, you're going to doubt erases everything, right? You're going to doubt yourself. Like there is, there's nothing more glorious for you. Um, and what's the other line that I really like? Uh, well, let's, but also there's like layers here about war essentially as a, as if sacrifice to the devil. Mm. I mean, it's really fucking weird that we're still like, we have to go to war. It is weird. We have to kill. This is where, and then people are like, I support the blue and yellow. <laughs> like it's your fucking, like you like the Dallas Cowboys or something. Yeah, it's weird. And I'm like, so you don't even, you just are really into seeing people on the planet just killing each other. Like you're not thinking, is there's another way out other than yeah. total surrender and capitulation. Right. Like it's all fucked up. But that's the thing, even this line, like I rode a tank, held the general's rank when the Blitzkrieg ra raged and the bodies stank. You know, in the book of the law, very holy text, it's said that the 40s are a baptism in blood. It prophesied this in 1904. Wow. And like... The 1940s. World War II. Yes, I that's know. That's the Blitzkrieg. That was like the, the way the Germans fought. They came in just fast and furious. It's hmm. how they like leveled everything. Um, but even like stuck around St. Petersburg when I saw it was time for a change, right? So it's like there's this weird, this like this current, this wild, devilly demonic current, like stirring shit and taking souls through war. Um, killed the czar and his ministers. Anastasia screamed in pain. And then he's like, here you go, world. Communism. Mm. You're all fucked now. Right. <laughs> right? Like, and then what was that? That was an answer to, like, the total oppression of, like, a supreme, one supreme ruler. Right. I mean, the Russian czar is very interesting. There was actually, it's very cheesy, but I really was... Um, I found it riveting, and it's a story about the last czar. And it was one of those, like, reenactment documentary kind of things. I think we should watch it, especially after watching The Great. I thought I also thought The um, the, the Crown, one of their best episodes, was the, the Romanex. Remember where they're, like, distant cousins of the queen? And there yeah. was that moment where, like, she received... Uh, they thought, oh, the queen's going to save us, and then... She just had to make the decision to not. Well, every royal family is like related. Yeah, that's yeah. also weird. Yeah. Um, but it's like, where is Mick Jagger coming up with these these lyrics? Um, but he's possessed by the I devil. I <laughs> see all of this war is is a real sacrifice to dark dark energies. Yeah. And people still push for it. Yeah, like you know, how is that like, the answer? Well, hey, here's the good news. Pride Month's over, so it means Raytheon is just dropping normal bombs <laughs> and not rainbow flag bombs because oh we God. kill people in the name of pride and inclusivity. Um, but isn't it – my mom just came back from France, and she went to Normandy, and she said that there were parts of the land that had craters in it from the bombs that were dropped in World War II. And it's just like – I feel like when you see that, you're like, oh, it feels so far away, but it's not that distant of a memory. 
but also we've changed. I feel like consciousness has really taken a huge leap forward where you do question like, how are we still looking to war as the answer to then create peace? I'm, I'm beyond baffled. Um, also that also tells me that, uh, these women are not ever watching the History Channel. What do you mean? <laughs> Ten minutes of the History Channel is a documentary about World War II, and you're going to know about those craters, and there's still teams of people that find... I don't watch the History they Channel. Find, I have no idea. They find live rounds still from, like, the 40s. Like in the crazy you know, A farmer will be, like, digging up land, and it's like they, there's special teams that have to come, and some of these are still live. Um, I, what's really cool, though, is that... The last day, your mom and her wife were in France seeing where your grandfather, who was a medic during D-Day, mm -hmm. and wasn't he a NATO translator? Yeah, he was. Uh, he translated French and Italian for NATO. Uh, but that he was, was like later in his life. But yeah, he was a medic on D-Day. Yeah. God, I mean, those must be some crazy stories. And he thought but... he was going to die because it was so cold. Um, or from a bomb they're creating craters. From that, yeah. I can't imagine that. Um, but uh, on the positive note, to make it all about me and us, <laughs> is when they were there is when it got noticed that my the prosperity practices is already getting translated into French. That was exciting. So it's going to be available in France. I should set up shop on for uh, like on Normandy Beach. On D-Day yeah, anniversary. Yeah, and pedal and be like, hey, let's, yeah. you should do well. Yeah. Read read my book. Totally. You should, um, you should pedal some numerology as well. I want numerology in French because then you could do the numerology of your dead relatives. Exactly. Especially if they died there. I have relatives in, that were in um, World War II, but they were in the Japanese really? campaigns. Yeah. Um, but... Here's another line that always I think about, too. Um, Please allow me to introduce myself. I am a man of wealth and taste, and I laid traps for troubadours who get killed before they reach Bombay. Now, the troubadours, magically speaking, were magicians. The, the ones that held, they held teachings and they were teaching magical teachings through sort of hidden in these songs and their little, you know, their little groups and they traveled around, but they were actually spreading, uh, deep magical secret teachings. Wow. So I think also the, the troubadour is a code for like these sort of secret teachers using uh, music and sound current. So I feel like the modern, at least in how I practice now too, is like the mantra, right? And so they were going, like even going to Bombay, the, throughout all history and dawn of time, there've always been like sages, magicians, and the, the magic goes through different cultures and they study, right? People would come to ancient Egypt to learn the magic of that land. And then a lot of that energy moved up through India. A lot of Atlantis went up into South America, things like that. And then there's always these sages and, you know, learn these, these teachings then they like, and then shared it within their culture or whatever. So I just, thought it was interesting to me it seems like a pilgrimage of going to india to learn those teachings but these were like the the mantra singers like so it's like the devil if you will this dark and destructive force for the sake of darkness and destruction is like taking away those 
teachings and, and mantras. Like, a, I think even mantra now has a, there's like secret keys and frequencies, and it hits appropriate mantras. They hit your brain. They cause change. Which is interesting because you and I always have trouble finding mantra music on our computers that we've purchased, and then it just disappears. And it's almost like in it's like taking what you just said. AI is kind of filtering out the thing, the the music of of divinity. Yeah, it is weird how Apple just steals all the music back from me. Yeah, it's weird. But other people have told me that too, yeah. including people who have big mantra who make the work, music. Who make the music. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, like uh, this song. I just I do love this song, but you know, p- have some courtesy, have some sympathy, and some taste. Use your well learned politeness, or lay your soul to waste. Hmm. Um. I don't know. I don't have a total breakdown on that, but, um, you know, people are like, what's puzzling you? What's the nature of my game? This is like an old magical tale though, where someone wants to succeed and they want to go up the mountain, which is always an allegory for your spiritual growth, your evolution. And then every society tells you, you can't, this is the, the magical story. Your wife's like, no, that's crazy. You can't do it. The townsfolk are like, no, don't climb the mountain. Right. All the rules, all the devil. Dr- so you can't date. You can't date Maria. You'll never get the babe on the beach oh. and you'll never have that growth. You'll never have that attainment. Right. So we allow. But in this story, this character is followed by this dog that keeps like bringing up every doubt so this person will never go further. And then he makes it to the top and it reveals that the dog was put there was God testing his resolve. Mm. So maybe there's something in there, a deeper lesson that the, um, that tension that can be the devil, that oppression is really a test for you to break three, break three or break break free to break (laughs) free. But three is Saturn. (laughs) Yeah. In Kabbalah. So, yeah. yeah. Total, a wonderful Freudian slip. Now, is it Freudian slip? Does that always have to be sexual? Uh, I don't like know, actually. Like, break titties. <laughs> <laughs> that would definitely be constituted as Freudian, but I don't know. I, I know we have a couple uh, psychologists that listen to this podcast, so please let us know. Uh, yeah, hook us up with the official. I don't want to look it up. Um so there is that. I don't know. There's deeper teachings, too, that, like, uh, I don't even want to get into it, but that this realm on some levels ruled has, like, these oppressive authoritarian I- ideologies have maintained a hold and a grip on this planet. Mm. And I wonder what Earth sounds like as you were playing those, those like, drony, the devil's tritone. I, I love to look up, like, what Venus sounds like and Mars, and I, and I am... I do find myself being skeptical of whether that's actually the sounds of those planets, but, um, but they, then the skepticism is the devil. <laughs> I, I talked to somebody years ago who was sort of in that racket and with the background in science and it seemed pretty legit. There is a frequency of the earth. Like that's the th- what, three something megahertz or whatever. Um, 
Let's look it up. I just, I'm just thinking about like how there is so much, so much restriction within like our societal, societal structure that I do wonder if it has manifested as a certain sound current of Earth. Well, seven eight seven point eight three hertz. I want to do more numerology on these sound currents because even with gongs, you can get planetary gongs and things like that. Um, but I don't know. Sympathy for the devil. I guess that's like most of it that just got me thinking about this devil's tritone. Well, we didn't talk about the real devil um, that is Jackson Pollock. <laughs> Jackson Pollock. Well, a devil. I the think real Jackson. Possession. So Jackson, I actually wanted to wait to talk in this because I was going to research it more. Oh, okay. But apparently there's ties to the CIA with Jackson Pollock. Come so I'd be, on. Yeah. So before we reveal that I wanted to, I wanted to joke around because we were looking at his art and I'm still like, I swear this was like, uh, this is like a psychological experiment to see to like create just value out of nothing and because people are like, this is really good. Right. Right. I think it's a money laundering scheme in my <laughs> opinion. Um, I don't, I look at Jackson Pollock's paintings and there's no part of me that is moved on any level emotionally. Mm. And I look at some of that modern art and I'm moved. But Sometimes the size of things can, can be, can manipulate your actual feeling of it. Because uh, they're so a lot of large and grand, and it takes up the entire. A lot of his pieces that I've seen that I'm well, like, whoa, it'll take up an entire wall. And you're woed by it. Well, I remember. I also love. Here's another thing. If that you affects, saw that painting in L.A. just in a cafe, and it hit the wall, I don't think would I'd you be wowed. Be woed? That's no. the point. But That's I'm where saying, I think it's a psyop. Yeah, I think it's a psyop in that way because I do. I'm also like I get very easily lured by by the folklore of an artist where I remember hearing about Jackson Pollock showing up um, at one of his shows completely belligerently drunk and naked and like Peggy Guggenheim was there. And I was like, wow, that is like so insane. I can't believe he would do that. And like, Oh, great. The first thing I look up was (laughs) modern art, really a CIA psyop. Great. Wait, what, what what were your Google search words? I said Jackson Pollock, CIA. <laughs> First thing that comes up, uh, and it's is the, this an op-ed or probably it's uh, the Atlantic, <laughs> written by I Donovan know. Donovan. It's like Lit- <laughs> written by. I'm going to tell you how to think because Big Pharma told me what to write. Uh, I didn't read this. I don't know. I want to go. Da- I wanted to go down that rabbit hole. But so you're moved because you know it's a Jackson Pollock painting, which is the I, deeper point. You know, here. it's funny because like I. It, older stories of people being like complete fuck ups, but still managing to create art that um, like re- elitists are moved by and that are in like big galleries. I'm like, wow. But then if I see someone being belligerent now, um, I, I'm like, get it together. I don't I don't think that it's it's cute um, or uh, I don't think that it actually really um uh, emanates any type of success i think that in my own tyrannical way that you should be removed from the building <laughs> yeah I if it were that, to happen now that drunkard shtick is dead. it's done it's like it's amateur and then people think oh i have to be a like just a wasteoid yeah in order to like be a good writer or a, a, an artist but i yeah i don't know i still love uh that guy uh richard 
um, Richard Hell? Rich, no, Richard, was it Prince who did the Instagram? Yeah, the Richard inst- Prince. Yeah. So He's Richard great. Prince, this is one of my favorite art and it's conceptual. And I love the concept is he just took people's Instagram posts. Mm-hmm. And I think he like maybe wrote some comments. He did some things, he, liked it. So he sort of altered the He commented the under his, and I think he took a screenshot. He took you a screenshot, a yeah. turned that into like a framed picture. Yeah. And just posted the person's Instagram post. Yeah. As art. And it was all like thirst trap photos too. What's that? It's like where you're just looking sexy to try to get the attention of specifically a lot of people that I know that do thirst traps, they're trying to get the attention of specific people that follow them. Okay. But in general, you could just like, I could post a, a super sexy. Or straight thing? No, no, no. I, I don't think it, I think it's both. I think right. it's, it's okay. across the board. Um, uh, so covers all orientation. Well, um, I love that he took these people's posts and then made it into a thing. And then you're like, wait, that's, that's not art. But well, the I women like... were suing them because I followed I one of them. That's that yeah. girl sold like dildos. Yeah. She sells dildos. And now she she's looks like all... Isabella she's... Rossellini and she sells dildos. But she's like, that's my picture. That's my picture. That's my dildo. And <laughs> that's my strap on. <laughs> I just, I love, I, I, I love it. And we saw one in LA and I just love that he sort of turned this notion of like, who owns that picture? Yeah. And then did he alter it just enough? And then he claims it's his art. Yeah. Right. But then these people are like, that's mine. Right. And so all of a sudden, because uh, it's sold for a good chunk of money, they think they're entitled, but the art isn't the picture that they posted. The art is the concept to me. The art is the concept of taking that, turning into a piece of art, yeah. having a name that creates value. But I think the concept to me is brilliant. I love it. Whether it's maybe it's a psyop, but I, I love that that woman who sells dildos got so pissed off by it. Let me just say, uh, I unfollowed her because she was so angry about the Richard Prince. Prince. <laughs> Wait, you were following the dildo account? Yeah, that's how I knew about it. I recognized her. I was already following her, and then I recognized... I like following Isabella Rossellini doppelgangers. Okay. Um, and, and she had, like, a cute kind of, like, Audrey Hepburn, very demure persona, but, like, the dildos just became, like... It just felt very grotesque to me after a while and then when I found out that she wasn't really punk rock and she was like trying to sue Richard Prince and was like playing this whole like victim narrative I was like I'm done well clearly she was a lesbian Buddhist (laughs) peddling dildos yeah (laughs) um I I I was fascinated by all of that yeah um but then I started thinking we actually had to take a little break because Isaiah woke up and he's asleep um, now because it's a million hours later <laughs> and we're finishing. But um, I was imagining, like, because when we were in New York, I was like, oh, I want to talk about Jackson Pollock. Like, it not even, like, I don't think it's above my head, mm. right? I want, I should have asked uh, my cousin because she's really good with, like, art history. But, um, the bottom line is like I'm not moved by any of his paintings and he's like the go-to and you want to reference modern art or Andy Warhol. Right. I'm I am fascinated by Andy Warhol because he created like this scene. And he has sixes in his numerology and if we if we do advanced numerology, I would use him as an example. Thank you. Well, 
Yeah, because he's like the ultimate networker. Which is one aspect he, he of sex. He basically like sort of put Velvet Underground on the map, but he brought Nico in. Well, and disrupted that band. Well, you must have a five somewhere. So I don't know. You're you're defeating the definition of, of six. Uh, six, which is a harmonizer, someone who creates a solar system. But what I was thinking about <laughs> is what if the whole like because I did find that article which I didn't read yet. I want to go deeper than Google, mm. but um, you know that if Jackson Pollock was a, really a CIA psyop. Maybe, I don't know for what yet, but to dupe people into, like, this is great art. I'll spend a lot of money, and now we can launder money through it for, like, probably arms dealing and secret trades for, like, you know, regimes in Latin American countries. Mm. I'm just making that up off the top of my head. But no, what but it's if, good. It's believable. What if it was a side, like, what if the whole thing was the art project? So what if he was an artist saying, I'm going to create it, and it's like really a CIA side, but that's all part of the art huh. of it all. But no one will know that it's part of the art, and it may come out like later. Like him being in cahoots with the CIA is part of the art experience. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like those Instagram things. It wasn't like, oh, this person's Instagram post is so good. Right. I'm going to rip it off and turn it into my own art. It, there was a concept of taking that off Instagram and who owns it. I like that. Yeah. So maybe that's what it is. We'll have to, until next time. Until next time, there could be some thirst trap pictures of Jackson Pollock floating around. Yeah. Selling dildos. <laughs> we'll end it there. Let thy soul be awakened.